0: on this episode of Therapy Bites Art Lab.
1: Hey guys, this is Doc Heath from Therapy Bites Art Lab. It is Halloween, one of my favorite seasons, and Halloween is a great time to practice being scared. We're doing a two-part episode today, and it'll also be the follow-up episode next week. There's your two parts. And today's episode is on Ghosts, ghouls, and scary faces, the psychology of Halloween. And there's all kinds of scary faces out there ghosts and goblins and zombies and werewolves and vampires and
0: Frankensteins. Oh my,
1: join us for today's episode.
0: Welcome to Therapy Bites, Art Lamb, where Dr. Heath and his special guests share real life stories of helping and healing, fresh from the actual therapy couch, while taking a bite out of common counseling missteps and misconceptions. And now, here's Heath and the T Ball Team.
1: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Therapy Bites Art Lab where we discuss the psychology of everyday life. And this week, we're discussing the psychology of Halloween. Uh, we have our brave adventure, psychotherapy adventures here. Uh, Sarah. And Debbie, Uh, welcome ladies. I look forward to our discussion about one of my favorite seasons, Halloween. I have all the requisite blow-up dolls in (laughs) in my yard that I'm sure my neighbors enjoy. Uh, Some do, some not so much. And uh, we thank you for being here today. Uh, Grab your coffee. We'll be with you for about the next half hour, and we'll be discussing the psychology of spooky things. Uh, What are some of you guys, what are your, some of your earliest memories or favorite memories about Halloween?
2: Ooh, I remember like on uh, cartoon network. Um, I think it was cartoon network. It was, uh, always Scooby-Doo. Um, there was all the different Scooby-Doo's. There's like Scooby-Doo meets a mummy or Scooby-Doo meets a vampire. I really liked the, obviously, if you look at my name, I liked the pirate episode where there's like this ghostly pirate. Um, that they had to face and it always turned out to be just a person in some sort of mask with all these special effects and stuff but
1: i remember that episode i think
2: i love that episode i don't
1: think i've ever missed an episode of the old uh, Mm scooby-doo shows those are great yeah I love it when they saw the mystery. Mm-hmm. If it wouldn't have been for you meddling kids.
2: <laughs> yes, and your little dog, too. Oh, and
1: your little dog, too. <laughs> I
2: think I just mishmashed two shows together. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Oh. <laughs> it was The Wizard of, the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. one of my favorite things in Halloween are all the spooky faces, and today's episode is about that exactly. Mm-hmm. There's an actual complete area of our brains which are devoted to identifying faces it's called the fusiform facial area or the ffa Uh, it's also called the fusiform gyrus and it's why we're so very good at recognizing faces and then sometimes maybe not so good over assimilation occurs that's over assimilation and uh, the brain builds a pattern of people's faces And it puts that in a sort of a Rolodex, a facial Rolodex. It's a Facebook in your brain so that when your brain encounters that particular pattern, click, 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 click through the Rolodex, it identifies, oh, this is John or Mary or Nancy or Heather who uh, has a migraine today. She couldn't be with us. Heather, we hope you get better. Those migraines are difficult. I have retinal migraines myself and I I lose my I lose my vision. And uh, gosh, that can be a scary thing too. The first time it happened, it was scary. But back to the FFA, the, the FFA is just really super duper good at recognizing faces, but you may walk into Mazios or McDonald's or or some other social situation sometime and say, oh, that's uh, so-and-so over there. And you walk up and they begin to turn around. Your your brain gets a full view of their face and you say, hey, you, you, oh my goodness, I'm sorry. You're not who I thought you were. And that is a uh, episode of over-assimilation that your brain has carried out. Our brains also carry out or fall prey to over and other events, uh, situations, and circumstances, and that is with facial expressions. Uh, one of the, the biggest examples of over is we think that we can read someone's emotions by looking at their face. Mm-hmm. We really can. It's really a roll of the dice because sometimes someone could look very, very angry, and what they are is sad, or depressed, or maybe even constipated, or they can look that we think they're displaying anxiety, and that's not anxiety, that's anger, or maybe we think they're displaying some other emotion, so there's always a lot of false positives going on, thinking that we can identify someone's emotion by looking at their faces, and we'll talk more about over-assimilation today as it relates to the psychology of everyday life, and specifically the psychology of Halloween. What are some of your experiences along those lines, guys?
2: Um, well, actually, the first thing that came to my mind, and um, I've been told a lot of times that I have what's known as an RBF, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not, hopefully everybody knows what that means. It's a resting. Balloon face. Yes, face. yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Resting uh, balloon. So. Yes. Yes.
1: Maybe which, that's worse you know. than the actual thing it stands for. Though.
2: Yeah, I know. And um, so usually, you know, whenever I'm concentrating, I'm not just, you know, sitting here smiling, you know, yay, I'm thinking about things. You know, I'm usually like, which those of you that are listening to this podcast, you can't see my face. But that's just, right. You know, she has yes. a
1: rather smug mug. Yes. <laughs> yes. She yeah. was born there. Sarah way. the yeah. Smug Mug. <laughs>
2: I told that to somebody once, and they were like, "Well, tell them that you have a RCF, a resting concentrating face." And I was oh, like, "Oh, I like there you that, go. you know, because I'm really not." Upset. Or an
1: RTF,
2: resting, which thinking? is a type
1: of a file, but a resting thinking <laughs> yeah, face. Resting yeah, resting
2: thinking yeah, yeah. face. That makes, that makes more a sense. A resting yep.
1: thinking face. You look like the guy carved out of granite, the thinker.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep.
1: But see, that's the problem, and that's also called mind reading. People mm-hmm. look at mm-hmm. you. And they think that by what's on your face, they know what's going on underneath. And then guess what happens? This is important. Listen carefully. Put your ear to your speaker. Uh, I'm not going to yell or scream or do one of those fright things. One of my team did that. They showed me this peaceful video through the Irish countryside. And then there's some (laughs) crazy-looking thing that jumps out at the screen and goes, ah, I'm not going to do that. Uh, But but do listen to this because what people do is they – project what they think you're thinking then they catastrophize it Mm -hmm. they catastrophize it they as albert ellis would say used to say he's passed away now he's he's uh uh one of our uh dead undead i mean he lives on in psychology and we all love albert ellis he's he's the original psychological shock jock I can't hold a candle to him as hard as I may try. But people catastrophize what they think you're thinking and label it with the RBF. Mm -hmm. Can guys have RBF? Can I have RBF?
3: I think so. Yeah, because the B just has a different word.
1: It does have a different (laughs) word. Yeah. <laughs> the male version. What could that word be? But people catastrophize <laughs> what they think you're thinking. They usually get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a quick pop quiz. What's the best way to know? It's not absolute, though. What's the best way to know what someone's thinking?
3: Ooh. Maybe ask them.
1: Imagine what? that. Oh, my gosh. Instead of running <laughs> around guessing, catastrophizing, over simulating mind reading, just say, hey, what are you thinking? By the way, my <laughs> wife does that with me, and I ask her, "Do are you really asking? Do you want to know, or are you just asking? Yeah. And since uh, it's been, gosh, 39 years now, she'll often say, I'm just asking. <laughs> because one time I said, well, I was thinking about one day our civilization will advance to the point that we can build Dyson spheres around large celestial bodies such as stars, and then we can power our solar system with that. And her oh. response was, "Why does any sane person <laughs> sitting around <laughs> sit around thinking about that crap?" I'm sorry, I asked. Oh well, but you did ask. Mm-hmm. But yes, you could ask. You could ask instead of pretending that you know what's going on inside of my head, and I mm-hmm. love the Batman. Uh, cartoons where he said in one of those it was a Justice Lee episode uh, my mind is a scary place to be <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yes my mind is a scary <laughs> scary place to be <laughs> welcome <have> a,
3: <laughs> it made me think of a mind reading example too I have a good mind reading example too recently Heather and I were um, out of town together with my husband. And we were in a shopping, in a store, and there was a lady in front of us, uh, an older lady in front of us, Precious. And she kept looking back at us and making a face. And she was just making this face, you know, wrinkling up her face and looking at us. And, you know, of course, our our immediate thought was, oh, my, you know, we're we're, we're irritating her somehow. So we said, well, let's let's get quieter.
1: I'm irritating them. That's called mind reading. Yes, it was. Hey, if you're good at that, (laughs) if you're good at that, you should go to Tunica. Uh, that's where the local casino is. You pick Mm -hmm. your casino and you can read the mind of the dealer and you can win millions and millions of dollars. What is so fascinating to me is I have challenged so many people over the last 30 plus years in mental health to do that. No one's taken me up on it. (laughs) And you would think all these mind readers would be fabulously wealthy
3: Mm-hmm. but they're
1: not. You know why? Because mind reading does not exist. You can't know mm-hmm. what I'm thinking. I'll have people say, oh, you're angry. Yeah. Eh, I'm rarely angry, actually. <laughs> I uh, I may get frustrated. I was frustrated here a few days ago with all the little cords that hold up my blow-up Halloween people mm-hmm. kept on getting knotted up. Mm-hmm. But frustration to me is motivating. I mean, frustration to me is like jet fuel in my veins. But if you want to know what I'm thinking, don't try to read my face. Uh, Often, you may not be able to read my lips and know what I'm saying is what I'm really thinking. But I'll be glad to tell you. But you kind of got to take my word for it. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. True. We'd have been broke because what she was really going on was complete 180. 180. From what we were thinking after she did that about four times, she looked back at us. We were holding a few things. She had a cart. She said, you don't, I have a cart full and you don't have very much. You should be in front of me.
2: And that's what she,
3: she was, she just was thinking, you know, this isn't right. She had a resting
2: concentrating. She had a resting, Concentrating. thinking. She
3: did. RTF. Mm -hmm. RTF. RTF. Hey, we
1: created a new meme, maybe, (laughs) RTF, RTF. Resting Thinking Face. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're free to use that, folks. You can deploy that all throughout your life. It's just a resting thinking face. There
3: you go. To say
1: that somebody has an RBF, here's what you're doing to your brain. You're looking at their face, and when you – now, you don't know you're doing this, but this is, again, the psychology of Halloween, and in particular, the, the neuroscience of how such thoughts work. And you don't know this is happening in your brain, but this is what's happening in your brain. When you look at a person, say they have RBF, uh, and I guess most folks these days knows what that stands for. We don't want to have to pop up the E for explicit on our our podcast, so we'll leave that off. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're, you're really telling yourself that that person's face is a threat to you. And in doing so, you're lighting up a minor, not a big one but a minor fight-or-flight response, uh, more toward the level of a disgust response. And then, without knowing it, your brain is telling your body to produce all these hormones to deal with stress, which are unnecessary. Now, if you want to do that, I welcome you to do that. Mm-hmm. We believe at Therapy Bites that you should have the free will to be as miserable as you want to be. But why would you do that? Unless you're just a bit uh, masochistic, you know, you love self-punishment. Uh, uh, a song from the 80s, uh, Hurt Me, Baby, Make Me Write Bad Checks, I think was in the song. Or maybe that was, who was that? Was that somebody in the Casey Kasem show or something would say that? Hurt me, baby, and make me write bad checks or something. I, you know, That's
2: before kinda, my time. I know. I showing my age, too. Aren't I? No. <laughs> but
1: unless you enjoy your misery, why would you turn over control? of the uh, thermostat of your brain, the environment, the ecosystem of your brain to someone's facial configuration. Mm -hmm. Think about that. What am I going to decide to think about this person's facial configuration? And the psychology of Halloween, Halloween is a great time to practice that very thing Because we can expose ourselves to scary faces of zombies and ghosts and Frankensteins and vampires and werewolves and all kinds of ghouls and goblins, oh my, and learn that we can be exposed to, well, maybe faces we're not too fond of, but that doesn't mean that those faces are a threat to us.
2: This podcast is HIPAA compliant. No identifying patient information will be disclosed without permission from patients or guardians. All personal stories will be de-identified in order to comply with HIPAA, the NASW Code of Ethics, and the Ethical Principles of Psychologists and Code of Conduct.
1: This is the spooky tale of the disembodied hand. We've had several patients over the years talk to us about gestures and how scary they can be because they grew up in a house that a sudden hand movement, a sudden wave of the hand in the arm meant... That they were about to be abused and that is one of the association problems that we deal with it's called over that hand movement in this present situation kind of brings us back mentally to a prior situation and the therapy technique that we use is to help collapse that anchor to help differentiate i have had patients tell me because i'm big and hand gestures to stop that because that's making me think that I'm unsafe. And that's a real problem avoiding events, situation, circumstances, uh, avoiding a, a person because you think that their hand gesture now today means the same thing that that hand gesture meant way back then, 20, 30, 40 years ago. The Best approach is exposure, to expose yourself to that which you believe is unsafe for you, such as a hand gesture. Feel the emotions that come up. Realize that you're not in danger. And little by little by little, degree by degree by degree, you'll be able to heal your brain from connecting events, situations, circumstances in the present With that terrible tragedy, that trauma that happened to you a long time ago. But the more you avoid, the more it will perpetuate that trauma. This Halloween, take advantage and expose yourself to some doable, D-O-A-B-L-A, doable situations where you can break that connection. Just a tip from Therapy by Chart Lab.
3: You're listening to Therapy Bites Art Lab. Bite-sized therapy for your brain with Dr. Heath and the T-Ball team. The best advice on the net. No copay required.
1: Hey guys, Doc Heath here with the social media debate of the week. I had an interaction with a gentleman who sounds to have been a very unfortunate situation. And he dove in and told me that based on some of the things that I was saying, that he F-word felt Unsafe in his own home, as if my very words, my pixels in an arrangement into words on a page on a computer screen had the power to do that. I ask him what do you do with the note with the local networks when they promote a program or or, or air a program that you don't like or that, quote, invades the safety of your home, do you call the network and ask them to shut down the broadcasts? I'm going to encourage everyone listening today to take your power back. Don't fall prey to this nonsense, stinking thinking. No one can come into your home through a social media account, through the television, through the radio, and make you, quote, feel, I'm doing air quotes here to those of you listening, make you feel unsafe. That's just not how it works. Uh, that is not a feeling. That is a belief. If you don't think you're safe, check your own thinking. It's probably stinking thinking, what we at Therapy Bites Art Lab call cognitive distortions. Once again, this is Doc Heath saying, take your power back. Only you can decide if you're safe or not, not someone else. Happy Halloween.
3: Hey, T-Ball team. This is Debbie here with today's social media spotlight. Today, we're going to talk about a little crit- critter that we have called Iuti inaccurate unrealistic thinking he's a little devil-like creature with wings and you'll see him in a a lot of our uh, merchandise Uh, we have some where he's showcased like on a pillow and on the back you can see you know he represents inaccurate unrealistic thoughts and um, also in a lot of our merchandise you have to look closely to look for him and find him he likes to hide in places because we're not aware of when we have these inaccurate unrealistic thoughts initially and so uh, he, he likes to hide and sneak up on us, you know, in this Halloween season. So we encourage you to check out the merchandise and, and check out Ayuti. And in all of our merchandise with Ayuti, most of it, we have Artie there, too, our accurate, realistic thoughts. And uh, that's, that's what we encourage you to do is take advantage of those accurate, realistic thoughts. And you'll notice he's very visible in all of our merchandise. So thanks for joining us today.
0: Here's Heath. And the T-Ball team.
1: Imagine going through life cataloging faces as something that is a threat to you. I think that is a royally bad idea. Mm-hmm. What else could we do?
2: I mean, obviously, we want to take each situation one at a time. Because I think that's where over-assimilation really gets us. We take one situation and we over-generalize it to everything else. And, you know, it just doesn't work that way. You know, everybody is unique and different and everybody has different, different facial expressions and they're going to. And I mean, I think it's kind of, um, unhelpful just to ask everybody else to change the way that their face works, you know, because you can't ever make anybody, you know, you can't just be like PSA to the world. I'm sorry, sir, but
1: can you change your facial configuration immediately? I'm sorry, ma'am. Get that look off your face. yeah. Yeah. That, that look on your face is a threat to me.
3: Yeah. And you know, something that I, I, I bring up a lot because I really think it's really important too, is that when we, look at people and we look at their faces don't don't make a judgment you know they're thinking this they're thinking that they're thinking i'd like to think about it from curiosity hey i wonder i wonder what they're thinking i wonder what's going on you know mm-hmm. like you said maybe they've had a bad day maybe nothing at all maybe she's they're thinking about their grocery list or yeah. what they have to do left today or what their dog's doing or mm-hmm. you maybe know. they
2: just got out of a haunted house and didn't handle it well yeah yeah, yeah. and
3: they have to go home and change you know yeah.
2: <laughs> who knows what they're thinking
1: Maybe they have bowel problems. (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I think that, and people don't notice this, but I think that the RBF stuff and things similar is the new socially acceptable prejudice. Mm -hmm.
3: It's an interesting thought. I mean,
1: for you history buffs, go back and see what Nazi Germany did in context of different ethnic groups they drew pictures of them and exaggerated facial configurations and that's all based in prejudice
3: yeah
1: and these true. days we're coming up with brand new ways to spread prejudice mm-hmm. and making fun of people's facial configurations by calling it rbf and uh, other such things is just New, socially, for whatever reason, acceptable prejudice. If we truly live in a free society, why cannot why can I not do with my facial muscles what I darn well decide to do? <laughs> Should we pass some law that Doc, Ethan, and others must obey the law and only use their facial muscles in this way? Because, goodness, if you use them in a different way, someone else may not... The F word here, feel, it's a four-letter word, F-E-E-L, may not feel safe. By the way, safety is not a feeling. There is no feeling that will tell you if you're safe. There's no feeling that will tell you if you're not safe. You'll notice when you hop on an airplane, the pilot does not get over the overhead and say, folks, we're about to take a, a poll to see who all feels safe. And if it's more than 50%, we'll take off. If it's less than 50%, well, we're grounded. Why? Because there is no feeling that will tell the pilot of your airplane whether it is safe to take off or not. But people talk about feeling safe all the time, and that's not a feeling. That is a belief. That is a belief. Uh, uh, We first engineer our beliefs or thoughts, and then our thoughts engineer our lives. And there is no feeling that you can have after being exposed to someone's facial configuration that means that you're not safe. Uh, what are some of the, the faces uh, that you guys are most afraid of in, in Halloween of the zombies and the werewolves and the Frankensteins and all that?
2: Ooh, I think to me, anything that's like super gory and grotesque, just I have a... A hard time with that sometimes i'm just like ooh, i don't want to see that
1: <laughs> what about oh so if we're really going to get yes Sarah, what mm-hmm. we would need to do is have a face or maybe a person's uh, face looks like an apple with rotted places and there's worms crawling through the holes in the person's face. They're a a zombie face with worms crawling through the holes in their face.
2: that'd be pretty freaky. And also if they had just like, you know, maybe blood coming out of their eyes and like, you know, this really scrunched up like angry expression. Oh, cool.
1: I mean, we really need to know what you're scared of so we can engineer that for you. Thank you. Yes, that's right. You can walk in and we'll have it all prepped and ready to go. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, and we'll have you on camera. <laughs>
2: oh, boy. <laughs> Ooh,
3: I don't like eyes. I don't like angry, angry eyes. Angry so expressions.
1: angry eyes. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Red. I'm sure there's lots of people listening that they have the same thought. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. And if, if there was a patient sitting in front of me, what would my question be? How can eyes be angry? <laughs> I mean, how do you know?
3: Yeah. Um, what would an
1: angry eyeball look like? Wow. I've heard. <laughs> I would think it would be maybe if, if, if someone took a tablespoon and scooped it out of somebody's skull, then that that would be a angry eyeball. I mean I don't think mm. eyeballs like that sort of thing. Yeah, but how no. can how can eyeballs be angry? Let's talk about the psychology or the neuroscience yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. What do you think might be going on there that leads people to think that an eyeball can be angry? I'll give you a hint. It has to do with the black cat phenomenon. Think about black cats and you'll understand how people will geotag, Mm -hmm. label, encode anger as associated with some type of eyeball.
3: Right. Because that's what I was thinking. It it has to do with an an association from, you know, experiences from from the past. Pairs them together.
1: Absolutely. It It is an association problem. Mm Mm-hmm. Because really, what can an eyeball do? Think about what an eyeball can do. The only thing really, think of a disembodied eyeball. What is, if if we could have a working eyeball that is disembodied, it's not in someone's skull, it's just, I don't know, sitting there plugged into the wall or something or plugged into the computer. <laughs> that's just crazy. Literally, what, a, it's <laughs> creepy. It is Halloween. Yeah, what, that's creepy. What can that eyeball do? Think about the mechanics of the eyeball.
3: <laughs> mm, mm, what yeah. can it do? Just look at us.
1: Well, uh, the only thing the eyeball can do is the pupil can constrict or dilate. Mm -hmm. So which one is angry? Is it angry if the pupil is constricted or is it angry if the pupil is dilated?
3: Cats, it's dilated. I don't know about people.
1: How do you know a cat is angry when it's – how do you know a cat's angry, period?
3: (laughs) Oh, they flip their tail and –
1: Is that what they do? Yeah. They flip their tail. I had a – my favorite pet, one of my favorite pets of all time was Igor – (laughs) I brought him from Nashville, Tennessee, my uh, city of origin, and he lived to be 18 years old, Wow! and I just loved, loved Igor. He uh, broke his leg. He developed cancer in the leg, and I had to assist him over the Rainbow Bridge, putting him to sleep, and I buried him, and I miss him every day. But I'm not sure about that. Igor flipped his tail a lot. I don't think Igor's ever angry at me. I think something else is going on. Uh, animals typically just respond to what they think is a threat also. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really mean they're angry at you. It just means that they think that they're not safe. Now, think. Here I said think. They're interpreting sensory data about the environment, and they're coming to a conclusion mm-hmm. that they're not safe. But that's what makes humans different than cats and animals, is we get to think over and above our thinking. We get to decide what to think, and we can look at a face, whether it's a eyeball that we previously thought was angry, <laughs> and we can decide what.
3: It's just an eyeball.
0: Yeah.
1: An eyeball is an eyeball It's an eyeball. Is an eyeball. <laughs> All God children got eyeballs, and hopefully two of them. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, and I mean, when you're talking about like horror stuff, like um, haunted houses and, and stuff like that, their goal is to scare you. You know, they want to yeah. get a certain response out of you. So why would they behave any differently? That's true. You know, that's that's their whole entire and, and to create like a fun experience, because a lot of people enjoy that kind of adrenaline rush. Um, it's not really my cup of tea.
1: And why would they? What? Why would they enjoy the adrenaline rush? Because they can experience Those chemicals in their body, and they still know at some level that they're safe. Mm -hmm. They know that this is not for real. Mm -hmm. And back to our original topic is Halloween is a wonderful holiday to experiment with those things. (laughs) And we encourage you to go to haunted houses, watch your scary movies, look at your scary faces, uh, look at your family's scary faces, (laughs) and, uh, and realize that our family, we love making faces at each other. And none of these faces are dangerous. None of them are toxic. None of them can manipulate you. None of them can gaslight you. It is simply a configuration of Facial muscles and facial tics and facial movements. And that cannot poison you. That cannot explode your head or your body. That cannot transmit any kind of poisonous fumes or gas to you. It is just a face. Mm -hmm. Let's not catastrophize the faces of other human beings. Look at the ghosts and the ghouls and the goblins and realize you're safe with them. And you get used to doing that, and that is just practice for, guess what? Those faces at work that you may be catastrophizing. Those faces at your local university of professors that may just kind of have a cranky personality. That's just their thing. Everybody has a behavioral style. Yeah. Uh the faces of those people in a tra- in traffic uh, at a traffic stop next to you, yeah. those faces of people in line at the grocery store at Walmart, mm-hmm. you can choose to not catastrophize faces, and you can start this Halloween practicing that. Other thoughts? We're about to run out of time on the show.
3: Um, we were we were talking about too, earlier about one of the things with Halloween is masks. You know, masks are scary. Clown, especially clown masks, don't like clown masks. But all the ugly masks. There are people who wear different kind of masks, the mask of psychopathy, Mm. and they look a certain way to draw people in to take advantage.
1: Famous book, The Mask of Sanity, Mm -hmm. and people hire. I, I don't like labeling people. Uh, with diagnoses, people do not become their diagnosis. And psychopathy is not even a diagnosis anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, right. But but there are people that are higher and there are people that are lower in psychopathy. And yes, they might tend to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. and uh, But that doesn't mean that they're dangerous. But we can look at them and not really know what's going on. But what's the cure for that? Think internal locus of control, not external yes. locus of right. control.
3: Right. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. We can look at the evidence and make a decision for ourselves what we're going to think.
1: Yep. Yeah. What's going on. As a patient of mine used to say, it's not like we have to hold hands with them and take long walks in the park.
3: <laughs> <laughs> true. Don't
1: farm out your belief that you're safe or not safe to another human being merely because of their facial configuration, their presence, the words they use, what are words. So Marcus Aurelius, real quick, simply air set in motion, simply air leaving their Mm -hmm. lungs set in motion. If it's on a page, such as a computer screen, what's the best way to look at that? It's simply patterns of pixels. Mm -hmm. How can patterns of pixels be threatening to you? Think about that. When people type something to you on social media, it's patterns of pixels. What's it going to do? Reach out and jerk the brain out of your skull through your nostrils? No. How how would it it do that? Ancient Egyptians used to do that after they buried you, by the way. Uh, Luckily, it was done after death. It would be very uncomfortable if it was done before death. Other thoughts before we wrap up our show today?
3: I don't think so. No, I don't, I don't so.
1: Thank I don't you guys for joining us. Uh, go to YouTube and catch our YouTube videos. Also, go to your favorite podcast platform, your favorite podcast. Little, little, little. i have getting my tuck wrapped around my eye teeth and I can't <laughs> see a word that I'm saying. Uh, go to your favorite podcast player and download all of our episodes. I think we'll have, uh, we currently have six episodes plus a bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, save our show, follow our show. we love your comments. Uh Upside, down, side left, right, either way is fine. We love information, and that's all it is. People's opinion is just information, and information is not that scary after all. It's just information. Join us next time. Happy Halloween, everybody.
3: Bye. Bye.
1: Happy Halloween. Today's psych secret is taphophobia. Do you have taphophobia? Taphophobia was all the rage in the 1800s when in crypts and mausoleums, There will be engineered strings and bells to alert people when you have been buried alive. If you have a fear of being buried alive, you have taphophobia. No worries, you can correct that with your thinking. How accurate and realistic is to think that you're actually going to be buried alive? The more you know, the more you can take control of your own thinking.
2: Today's site quote by Carl Jung. The pendulum of the mind oscillates between sense and nonsense, not between right and wrong.
1: Hey guys, I'd like to point your attention to a YouTube video that we did on the misconception, or as we say at Therapy Bites Art Lab, myth, M-I-T-H, myth conception about manipulation. It's Halloween and you'll run into vampires out there, hopefully just the ones dressed in plastic fangs and makeup. But vampires are known to be able to manipulate the minds of their victims. And there's a popular meme going around that humans can manipulate the minds of other people. And this video is all about that. Hop over to our YouTube channel, Therapy Bites Art Lab. Take a look at the video. Let us know what you think.
0: Hey, T-Ballers. Thanks so much for being with us today. If we brought value to your day, show us some love by leaving your positive feedback and inviting some friends to listen in and join the t-ball team next time on therapy bites art lab
1: hey guys part two of making up monsters the psychology of halloween today we'll be talking about hallows haunts and scary places join us for the episode if you dare